Welcome to the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm flying solo today. We don't have Mark with us, so I am going to be taking care of you all and all the information you need all by myself. I think I can handle it. Um, wanted to tell you guys a couple of ways you can plug in with us. That is through our um, website, thehousinghour.com. We have a treasure trove of information that you can dial into and share with uh, friends and family alike. And also, our Twitter is at uh, thehousinghour. So you can plug in with us there and facebook.com slash the housing hour. So those are all the ways that you can plug in with us. And today we have a, a unique special interview um, and we have uh, Terry Adams, who is the owner and attorney at um, Adams Law Firm and also Admiral Title. Um, and he obviously announced last week, some of you all heard, I'm sure, that he is going to make a bid for the U.S. Senate uh, seat um, against Lamar Alexander uh, coming in 2014. And since we have a unique relationship with Terry and we wanted to um, have him in and give him an opportunity to talk about what it is that he's doing and why he's doing it and all of those things. And Terry, thanks for coming in. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And, you know, first of all, I've known you a long time, so I'm, I'm very proud of what you're doing. I, I think, you know, for me personally, looking from the outside in, I think you have what it takes. I think you can do this. So just for from the Housing Hour and Mortgage Investors Group to you, good luck, and we'll be there to support you all the way through. So Thank you so much. Let's start Thank off you. there. Now the hard questions. No, I'm yes. kidding. Um, <laughs> You know, a lot of people think, you know, to become a senator, there needs to be some other experience that they need to go through, whether that be city council or whatever. Now, you have experience in the political realm because you've helped campaigns before in the past. But I guess give me um, kind of the bird's eye view, you know, why now and and why are you doing this at this point in your life? Well, Kevin, uh, and I I appreciate everything you said. That's, uh, you know, great words. Uh, and the the idea of why I'm running right now uh, is what happened in October. Uh, when when you look at a Washington D.C. that is so broke that we shut the government down for 16 days, mm. in spite of everything, every economist in the world saying that this will slow our recovery, uh, that the idea of uh, of messing with the debt ceiling could throw the entire world economy. Uh, into chaos and Washington can't fix that. They can't do anything about it, that they, they sit over there and they bicker and they fight. It's not working. And I think uh, it's time for a new generation to uh, give it a shot, to go in and do, do what we all know is what's right. I mean, our leaders need to lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Washington needs to be solving problems, not creating them. And once, once that occurred, I felt like somebody needed to step up. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not part of the problem, uh, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that that's the main reason. There's some other uh, specific reasons. And to, to address the uh, the experience level, uh, Kevin, I, I spent uh, eight years in the Navy Reserves. I learned a lot about honor, courage, and commitment. Uh, those, uh, those values, those Navy Corps values are with me every day of my life and my business 
as you stated, uh, I'm an attorney here in uh, Knoxville. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started businesses. I make a payroll. I think that's the kind of intelligence that you need in Washington. The uh, basics. I mean, you know, absolutely. meet apparel. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, if you're looking for somebody that was born with a silver spoon in their mouth uh, and were and they were born on third base bragging about hitting a home run, I'm not your candidate. <laughs> um, right. But uh, but if you're looking for somebody that that learned it the hard way that, you know, grew up in in Nashville uh, in a one bedroom apartment with my dad, uh, you know, in any other country in the world, I wouldn't be here. Right. You know, I, I would be, you know, in the fields, you know, uh, working, you know, wherever I, I would not be sitting here right now. So part of it, too, is to give back. You know, I think that uh, people need to see that no matter where you came from, uh, that if you work hard enough, you play by the rules, you do the right thing, that anything's possible. Mm. And, uh, and you know, I, I want to be an example for that. Right. Well, I think I look, you know, at some of your experience in your life and you mentioned, you know, how, you know, you grew up basically your dad and he was, you know, filling stations and, you know, worked and, and you were doing what you had to do to get by. And, you know, your mom, I think, has a very interesting story as well. Um, she was a secretary by day, I suppose, you know, and also cleaning offices and hospitals. And then she was also a songwriter. I, I'm just curious. Talk a little bit about your mom and, and the hit that she had, Cry, 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 for Connie Smith. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I honestly, uh, I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for my mom and dad. I mean, they're mm-hmm. great people. I love, love them more than anything. My dad's passed away. But uh, my my mom's uh, still writing songs and uh, living her life in Nashville. I Back in the 60s and 70s, she uh, she wrote songs uh, as, as much as she could for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote Cry, Cry, Cry for Connie Smith, which was a big hit. I believe it uh, it got his, uh, in the top 10 um, in the, on the Billboard charts, and, wow. and it's on Connie Smith's Greatest Hits album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every time, awesome. every time I'm uh, down on Division at Losers, uh, I make sure I play my mom's song <laughs> on the jukebox. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, she had a rough life. You know, she, uh, she was married at 15. Uh, she didn't go to college. Uh, she didn't finish high school. I remember as a kid, her getting her, uh, getting her GED and, um, you know, and doing what she could, uh, at any time she could, uh, to, to work. As a matter of fact, um, somebody asked me this the other day, they, they said, you know, what, what's the, you know, what's the real crux? I mean, what, what are you doing, you know, with this, with this Senate race? And I said, you know, my mom at, at many times worked three or four jobs um, and seven days a week. And she came home one afternoon and uh, I, I said, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? She was just, you know, all beat down and beleaguered and all that kind of thing. And she just said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And uh, I guess I never really knew what that meant until, uh, you know, I became an adult. And then you, you see what's going on in the world. You see uh, politicians instead of leaders you see uh, people fighting for I- ideology instead of fighting for their country. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, like my mom was back in those days. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, she had a, a she has a great story and is a, a very cool person. Uh, one of the uh, the funny stories, how, how I ended up a, a lawyer and going to law school is uh, when I was a teenager one of her extra jobs was uh, she would clean office buildings at night and uh, she would uh, recruit me and my buddies and uh, my little brother and anybody else that she possibly could get on the payroll to hmm. come help. 
And so uh, one of the offices we cleaned was the uh, district attorney's office in Nashville. And mom, you know, I, I always liked books. I was a big book guy. And uh, lawyers' offices throw away a lot of books, especially back then. And there was a uh, a big stack of indexes for that, that uh, lawyers used to kind of look up cases and things like that mm-hmm. that had been replaced. And so my mom had asked the uh, office manager if I could take those books with me, and we didn't have to throw them away. And so when I was a kid in my little one bedroom apartment uh, with my dad. Uh, I put my phone and, and all my stuff on these stacks of books. That was kind I of like my that. furniture. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's those books were probably expensive. It, and if you were put it in today's time, of course, you know, nowadays kids have iPads and all these other things. Um, well, you know, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about, because you're in a un- unique position, because you have these experiences growing up and, and you have these principles and values that were instilled in you by your parents and then reinforced and maybe even expanded and enhanced in your time in the Navy. And then as people know, going through law school has its own character building things that comes with it. I can, I remember just like it was yesterday, which it wasn't, but you know, going through and getting, you know, passing the bar and all that. Um, But you know, when you look at over your life, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do to impact this world Um, running for Senate. Certainly. I mean, people I'd, hope understand um, the importance of our senators. I mean, they are basically our little president that can help us to, to for causes in Tennessee. Um, but when you look back over your time period and, and you think about the dreams that you had as a boy and, and as you were growing up, going to law school, was running a Senate race, was it one of those, you know, dream jobs as Butch Jones calls his Tennessee job? In, in a word, uh, Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and, you know, the reason why is, you know, when I was a kid, um, I remember watching, you know, the presidential inauguration on a black and white, you know, 12 inch TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time we lived in a trailer park. Was that Roosevelt? And, uh, no, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I remember, uh, the announcer, I think it was Cronkite that was talking about how, uh, this transition of power can mm. never happen in any other country in the yeah, world. I like that. And when I, you know, as a six-year-old, I, I'm thinking to myself, man, that that is something that's pretty neat. You know, this that uh, that we live in a world where we choose our leaders, and uh, and you know, when you grow up in in the United States, every kid can be president, and you're told that from the very beginning, and uh, you know, it's pretty doggone true. I mean, it, you know, you look at the lineage of people who who have uh, become the president of the United States and who have become our senators and. Congressmen, I mean, they come from every walk of life, and to, to participate in that process is certainly a uh, a dream come true. J- just running is a is something that I'm impassioned about, um, and and so you know from from that point of view, of, of course, the answer is yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to really want to do. Well, let this. me ask you this. Let me. It might help you to to go through the rest of this because you, unlike some people you actually explored this prior to just making a knee jerk reaction. You had a talk that you gave some people, you know, were encouraged by what you had to say. Um, and so, but what you did was, which is what any smart person would do, which, which is to go out to your peers, people that, you know, people that you trust and say, Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. You know, I I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I don't want to jump on this and it be the wrong decision. Talk about how you made this decision. Cause I think it's important for people to know that. Sure. Um, we have about four minutes or so. Less. Yeah. Um, 
when when we were looking at uh, you know when uh, everything sort of went south in Washington, and um, I had already uh, received a couple of uh, phone calls from some people that are friends of mine that I've known for a long time uh, in Nashville that are in, actively involved in politics, saying, uh, you know, you ought to look at this Senate race, and uh, you know, I thought, man. It, I don't know that it's the right time. You know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. Uh, it takes a lot of resources. It takes uh, a buy-in from your family. Mm. Um, it also takes a buy-in from uh, people in the political party that you're affiliated with. And it, and it takes, um, you know, the right message. It takes so many different things that uh, it's not something that I, I would have jumped right at. Right. Um, as those conversations were, were had and people, you know, were encouraging me to do things, um, I was encouraged to give a little talk at the Truman Day dinner here in Knoxville. Um, at that dinner, I, you know, I kind of laid it out. You know, I, I think that uh, that what Tennesseans really need is a uh, a a United States senator that is laser focused on creating jobs for Tennesseans, mm-hmm. on growing our economy, and on serving the 500,000 veterans that live here in in the state of Tennessee who are supported enormously when they go off to war and largely forgotten when they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I mean, we just saw, uh, uh, you know, Friday, 900,000 veterans uh, had their uh, SNAP uh, program uh, resources reduced. Well, as as terrible as it is in my mind to reduce the food stamps of 900,000 veterans, it's equally terrible, Kevin, that there are 900,000 veterans on food stamps. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, you know, we live in a world where there's some people that, that need help and mm-hmm. they need our help. Um, and I, I think that there's a, there, there has to be a voice for the middle class of mm-hmm. this state. Um, and there has to be a voice uh, for the poor and there has to be a, a voice for the disenfranchised. Yeah. And, um, when, well, why don't you hold on that? Because we're getting ready to go to a break. And when we get back, we'll let you continue on that thought pattern. Because, you know, one of the things that we definitely would lo- love to hear about is, you know, what your what your other focuses are going to be in during the campaign. And I have some other questions for you as well that, that are a little bit faster. They're still maybe softballs, but I, I'd like to get your take on a couple of current events as well. We're here with Ta- Terry Adams. He is going to be a candidate for U.S. Senate. And uh, we're enjoying this conversation on the Housing Hour. We'll be right back after these messages. The Christmas season is always a wonderful time to reflect on your blessings. And Mortgage Investors Group would like to thank all of our customers for making us the number one private lender in Tennessee. Our gift continues to be the lowest possible rates with the best customer service. Call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage license number 109111. Merry Christmas. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Yes, sir. We're back here in the Housing Hour. We're with, here with Terry Adams. 
Um, you all may have heard he is running for U.S. Senate against uh, Lamar Alexander, the incumbent, uh, longstanding um, U.S. senator, and uh, was also, a, you know, had a political life in Tennessee prior to that. Um, he was, um, wasn't he the university president or something as he well? Was. He and, was. And, and, and so he has some experience. Um, he's 74 years old. Um, you know, he also has a potential um, uh, problem, not problem, but maybe splitting some votes with a candidate that's coming from maybe the Tea Party school of thought, correct? Yeah. So right. those are factors that went into you making this decision. And you were talking about, we had asked the question to maybe help us understand how you made that decision because people want to know that you were calculated and that you, you thought this through. And, you know, because I mean, it's a big deal. You mentioned having to raise money and, you know, you were mentioned to me a little while ago how much time you're spending just even right now and we're still 12 months away so if you don't mind finish that up and then i've got some other um topics that we can discuss but you know how did how you did come to that final decision to, to say hey let's do this sure and just and just for clarification you know uh, right now we're we're in the primary race so i'm seeking right. the democratic nomination right. for the united states senate not quite running against lamar yet. i'm being confident but yeah. <laughs> i appreciate that i love yeah. it yeah. um but yeah when when i'm when i was looking at it uh and i think where where we ended was you know that there there had to be a voice in the state of Tennessee mm-hmm. for working class people, for middle class people, for the poor and for the disenfranchised. And I don't think that anybody has really stood up for those people and for those principles in a statewide campaign in a long time. You know, we were talking about uh, somebody that actually did, um, who is uh, part of my campaign, uh, who's Bob Took. And Bob Took is a great guy. He's the treasurer of, uh, of our campaign. He's a former uh, Tennessee Democratic Party chairman. Mm-hmm. He's a Vietnam veteran. And uh, to have him on my side, is, you know, is an honor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was one of the people that I talked to. You know, yeah. I, I sat down and talked to him. I talked to some other party, uh, former party chairmen. I talked to uh, people who are the party faithful, executive committee members and things of that sort. And I just said, you know, I, you know, all this encouragement is is fine, but you know, what what are we doing? Are we going to go out here and are we going to try to win? Are yeah. we going to give it all we have? Are we going to run a twenty first century campaign? Are we going to stand up for the values of working class people? Or are we going to kind of you know fall off and you know go back into the same old same old? Because I'm not interested in doing that. And to a person, every single one of them said, absolutely, that's what we want to do. We, we don't want somebody to go out and try to be some kind of sacrificial lamb, somebody to go out and get whipped by Lamar Alexander. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who will come out here and campaign, get the message out, raise the money, and try to win. Right. Do everything we can to win. And we will absolutely give. We're, we're bringing democracy back to Tennessee, Kevin. There you I go. I mean, you're going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice of what's been going on before, and what the future could be, yeah, and and that's what it is, and and I I welcome uh, I welcome the challenge. That's great. Well, I'm just thinking of theme songs for your campaign as you've been <laughs> as you've been talking. Um, so that's that's fantastic. Now let's talk a little bit about some issues that I think are just really really important for people who are you know voters because everybody who is a U.S. citizen. Um, that doesn't have a felony um, can vote. I mm-hmm. mean, it, you know, every, it's it's just everybody has that ability, and and you can affect so much change if you um, find out and, and research the candidate and listen to what they're saying and really understand the issues. It's not like you have to take a course on American government and really, you know, dig 
that deep, but you, you need to understand the issues. Um, and one of the big things that is out there is, is special interest groups. And, you know, when I look from my side of the table, looking at people who are in politics and they're running, you know, it's, it's so difficult to understand how people can campaign a lot of times on, you know, special interests will not be involved in my campaign. And then when the Benjamins start flowing, you're like, Oh, um, well, I meant they would not be involved in my campaign, you know, so it, it just starts to to spiral because there's so much money in, you know, in the special interest group and, and it sways people's decisions, politicians, and, and their people are, in my opinion, buying votes, you know, look at the Affordable Care Act, you know, even though there's a lot of things that made sense in it. The health insurance, you know, lobbyists were right there talking into the ear of every single person that was voting on that bill. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because there's a lot of good things in this bill and, and, and a lot of more people should have voted yes to it. And so I, I, that's kind of what I want to hear what you had to say about it, because I know you understand it. But give me your, your opinion and, and where, where Terry Adams stands on it. Well, I can tell you that, that the special interest problem is infuriating and it really stems from the way that our democracy has evolved. I mean, we live in a world where when a, a, an attorney from Knoxville says, hey, I'm going to take this up. I'm going to take up the challenge. I'm going to work for uh, middle-class voters. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to work for veterans, and I'm going to try to create great jobs in Tennessee. we got all these things that we want to do. And what is the response, Kevin? Mm. The response is, well, can you raise the money? Mm-hmm. Not, not can you get your message out. I think I even asked that question. <laughs> yeah, not, not can you turn out the vote. Is can you raise the money? Mm-hmm. And, and what you have is you have perpetual fundraisers sitting in Washington. I And I can tell you, it has driven me crazy. I've lost night after night asleep thinking about how do you fix that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are the choices? You got the Supreme Court basically uh, dismantling any kind of campaign finance reform that, that we've been able to get through. But we have to, and as soon as possible, I mean, you know, I'd love to see it in this congressional cycle, we have to address the issue of special interest of people staying in Washington too long. Kevin, I, I mean, I've got to tell you, there are pluses and minuses uh, with with regards to term limits. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, I, I am for term limits. Mm-hmm. I think two, I think twelve years in the Senate is long enough. Sure. You know, I, I think twelve years in the House is long enough. It it drives me crazy because the the fact of the matter is, if if you had senators that didn't have to you know raise money, they knew that they were they were leaving. And they could support somebody else, you know, and help help them get elected or whatever. That that the last six years would at least be functional. Mm. They would be on their own. It would be, you know, very similar to what U.S. Supreme Court justices uh, are because they have no limits. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how often do we see a, a Supreme Court justice once they're appointed? They're, uh, you know, once they, a lifetime. Yeah, and they evolve. Yeah. I mean, those those people evolve, and they and they do what they believe is right most of the time. I think. Yeah, um, I the, think the special interests have hopefully been kept out of there um, at some level, and I, at you're some right. Level. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, tell me also, you know, when it comes to the way you're going to operate, um, because like I was mentioning, you know, somebody who ha- has always wanted to be let's say play for the Tennessee Vols or the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, they worked their butts off to get into that locker room and then they get into the locker room, they put on the Jersey and they're like, Oh man, I'm a Tennessee Titan. 
and then they forget about what they what they stood for prior to becoming a Tennessee Titan. Yeah, you're a Tennessee Titan, but you also stood for these things. How are you going to keep that from happening to you? Because it's it, I'm sure it's going to be temptation and tempting and all of those things. But talk to me about your thought process there. Well, I I can tell you I will never be beholden to any special interest except for the middle class people of Tennessee, except for veterans of Tennessee, except for the women of Tennessee who are largely disenfranchised as well. I mean, I think I think that if we don't uh, start w- and and hold yourself personally accountable, I, I mean, I'm coming on your radio show right now and telling you that that I will not be influenced by special interest. As a matter of fact, they probably don't want me running. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're a big corporation in uh, Washington D.C. and organized in uh, Delaware or in New York City or or uh, Los Angeles or internationally, you probably don't want to hear me. Mm-hmm. You you probably uh, want to continue for your voice to out, absolutely drown out the voice of the middle class. You want them to drown out the voices of creating good jobs, good high-paying jobs in manufacturing and green-collar jobs and blue-collar jobs in this state. You probably don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. What you want, what you want, is more and more and more profit. We want it. They want to keep sending uh, jobs overseas to other places, and j- just to make sure that they make more and more profit. If, if the uh, CEOs aren't making 400 times uh, what the average worker uh, is, they want to make 500 times. I mean, it, it becomes, uh, it becomes ridiculous. And so I will tell you sitting here, uh, you know, you, you got a guarantee because honestly, they're not going to elect me. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are going to elect me are the, the working people of the state of Tennessee. Well, and there's, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause I think there's a lot of people that will certainly, want to support a person who stands firm and says what they're saying. And, you know, I mean, let's also think about from, you know, every senator or or president that has come before, you know, maybe there has been instances where, you know, there has been a, a, a resistance to the special interest, but, you know, having somebody stand on that at the beginning and, and, and set that foundation up at the beginning and, Hey, this is where I, what I believe in, and I think that's where I think that's where people who want to support you and want to be um, part of your team they they want to hear that because they don't want you know somebody from you know uh, Dow Chemicals being writing checks to you so that you don't vote for you know laws that are going to protect kids. You know it mm-hmm. it just it, it infuriates me. And we've had Ann Brock on, and we sponsored Unacceptable Levels. I highly recommend you watching that movie, by the way. Um, I don't, it's not actually out. We sponsored a screening because it's talking about these toxic chemicals. They found over 200 toxic chemicals in cord blood alone in children as a result of the things that are in our products. And I don't want to get on my, on my soapbox, but, um, those are the things that like just common Americans like me want to see our politicians fight for. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's also, because I think, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now and I didn't know what to tackle exactly, but probably the most pressing thing is the Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. I personally don't like calling it Obamacare, even though I just did, right. um, because it was voted on in three years ago and it was passed and it is law. Um, and then also the Supreme Court voted that the mandate was constitutional. So there, there is a lot of things that have happened in the past. So we have this law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now the, the course, you know, 
they didn't do the website exactly the way it was supposed to be done. You know, we, it, that has been a debacle. And nobody is um, saying that it hasn't been. And I did read just last week that um, they are now able to get 17,000 people per hour registering um, at any one time. So that's a positive movement in the right direction. I guess my first question is, once the website is fixed, what are Republicans going to have to complain about? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think uh, I think in general, you know, one of the big problems is the lack of the states who have, uh, you know, refused to expand Medicare. Oh, uh, yeah, um, exactly. You know, I mean, we. I, I think, in in my opinion, and and regardless of what you think about Obamacare or or, um, you know, in, in any of the healthcare. Uh, statutes that have been uh, proposed over the last say 70 years mm-hmm. um, right that everybody ought to have health care coverage yeah uh, we especially ought to have it uh, when you spend three times the amount uh, per capita of any other uh, nation in the world mm-hmm. uh, we, we ought to be able to get there um, I, I will say this I, I will say that for the people who didn't have health care coverage and who get it they're going to like it they're going to like it a lot. Um, I mean, you know, I, I went without healthcare insurance myself when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was always a fear that something bad would happen, you know, that you, you're playing basketball or you're, you know, playing intramural sports or, or whatever. Um, and you, and you wind up with an injury that, that could, you know, keep you from going to school, keep you from, you know, pursuing your, your life and your goals and your dreams, much less, you know, I'll, I'll work my way through college. So, you know, not being able to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, when I look in the faces of human beings across this country, I, I don't see one that doesn't deserve to have coverage when they're hurt and yeah. when they have disease. You yeah. Know? We only have a minute left in the segment. I'd like to tackle this when we get back a little bit more too, because, you know, expansion of Medicare, I think, you know, if you don't do that and governor Haslam just last week came out and, you know, you've got some bickering between Ramsey and, and, and Haslam about this very issue and, you know, it doesn't sound like it's it's going to happen just right away, but it's got to happen. Um, you know, we're paying if you don't expand it, we're, we're still paying for it. It's just happening through, you know, emergency room visits and, and other ways. And so let's tackle more about um, the Affordable Care Act. And I want to talk about some of the specifics because it is such a hot topic right now. Um, and then I have some other tricks up my sleeve over here. We'll talk about those, too. But thank you all for joining us. We have, we do have Terry Adams here from uh, Adams Law Firm and Admiral Title. We're talking about his candidacy for the U.S. Senate. And we'll be right back after these messages. The Christmas season is always a wonderful time to reflect on your blessings. And Mortgage Investors Group would like to thank all of our customers for making us the number one private lender in Tennessee. Our gift continues to be the lowest possible rates with the best customer service. Call us today, 800-489-8910, or visit us online at mortgageinvestorsgroup.com. Mortgage license number 109111. Merry Christmas. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Every day I'm shuffling. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. 
Again, Kevin Ray here. And, you know, this is usually the time where I um, talk about how awesome Admiral Title is. This is always the, the segment. So real quick, I will tell you guys, I would recommend you, um, if you are a realtor or a lender out there and you want to develop a relationship with a title company that really has some principles that, that us at Mortgage Investors Group strongly believe in, they're a great place to start. You know, when it comes to closing a loan, what we have to do is we have to to hand that baton off to somebody who's going to grab it and finish the race strong. And that's what Admiral Title does. You know, I know Phyllis very well. I know Terry very well. And they just do an outstanding job with with what they do. And, you know, when Phyllis, he, she was at Mortgage Investors Group for a long time. And, and she took a lot of those principles that mortgage investors groups uh, actually were born out of. And, and she, she and Terry have implemented those into their company. It's just doing the right thing, going out of their way to make sure that their clients are happy. And that's just exactly what they do. So give them an opportunity. Um, you can directly call them at 865-531-6060. Admiral Title. All right. Well, that was good. Um, so... We were talking about the Affordable Care Act, and you know, um, there's there's some Arizona Democrats. Of course, they're still touting Obamacare. People are confused of how you could still go out on the airways and um, be very positive about, you know, the Affordable Care Act. I'm I'm, I'm not sure why. I mean, no more pre-existing um, discrimination. You're able to stay on your parents' health care while you're in college. Um, there's a lot of things that are very, very positive about it. But I have this question for you. If, if you had the opportunity to vote for that bill, would you have voted yes for it? And I have to be honest with you, Kevin, mm -hmm. it, the bill was a thousand pages long. Right. Um, I wouldn't have voted for it until I read it. Right. That's I mean, good answer. You know. Good answer. So based upon what you know, based upon you believe in the principles that, that I guess if you were to look at an outline of the bill, you know, not being, that's a very good answer. Actually. I never thought about that because you, you'd never read it. You didn't have, you had no reason to read it. And I bet you that not, not one person, well, maybe some, maybe I hope that they did. Um, and, and that is such a good point though. I mean, people don't even understand necessarily what is in the bill. They simply use the talking points, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, I'm not, you know, pointing out any specific party, but they use talking points to help them come up with what they believe in. How is that going to be different for a Terry Adams? Oh, well, it's, it's a huge difference. I yeah. mean, I can tell you this, you know, you, you send me to the United States Senate. First thing I'm going to pledge is I will not vote for anything that I don't read and mm -hmm. understand. I mean, that's, that is to me, leadership 101. I mm -hmm. mean, if you're representing the people of this state, you better know what you're voting for. What about when they have a quick turnaround, like with the, you know, the, uh, the big bailout, remember it was like 48 hours. You be, you better get up and read it. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's the deal. I mean, and you know, I don't think that there's any excuse, um, ever. I, mm -hmm. if, if you can, if you can type it in however many hours, you ought to be able to read it in that many hours. And, and if, you're, if they send you to the Senate, you ought to be able to understand it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I just, Do you have to be an attorney to be a Senator. I mean, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. I, I think, I think the best, uh, the best senators are, are, um, you know, people who are ingrained in their communities, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, whether it's a small business person, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an attorney or a doctor, you know, it's, uh, it, it's citizens. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we have a citizen legislature and, um, and that's the way it was designed and that's the way it should be. Unfortunately, uh, it's not that way anymore. Now you have career politicians and professional politicians yeah. who, who now, uh, you know, 
make up the mo- the majority of, of Congress. Yeah, there's no way to have fresh ideas when you have senators that have been there for 40 years or 20 years or whatever. I'm not saying they don't have fresh ideas, but you know, people see their name on the ballot and they're voting for them. That's the way it works. Um, now, with the Affordable Care Act, I guess, you know, when I when I think of all of the the people that are out there that, you know, are 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 on both sides of the aisle of this issue and 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 no by no means do I want to call out any specific philosophy, but um, you know, we've tried over the last 50 or 60 years to fix the healthcare system. Um, and there's been some positive movements and some negative movements. I mean, all the way back to Eisenhower, you see the development and no one has been able to successfully bridge the gap and get something passed. So I give president Obama a lot of credit for that good, bad, or indifferent, whether you like the bill or not, he did something that no one else has been able to do over the last 60 years. So I give him credit for that. Um, but when you look at, you know, like uh, Senator Alexander, I've heard him on Halloran several times here in the last few weeks. And, you know, he actually had cr- came up with another bill um, that he s- suggests that it could, you know, replace I, I, the whole redoing the bill that anybody that talks about um, doing that. I just I have a hard time taking them seriously because the bill is where it is. Um, but what what are your thoughts about, you know, when you go into office and there is a heated, heated battle really about two different ideologies or two different philosophies. I mean, how do you as a Senator work with other people that are not a Democrat or, you know, not in your same school of thought, because you talked about in your letter, um, that you wrote that was made public, um, how there's so much discord and so much just almost hate, you know, and anger. How do you work with the other side and how does it not become about ideology? And it just becomes about, Hey, let's, let's find some common ground that has been lost Terry in, in Washington. It, it has. And it's one of the, it's one of the reasons why I'm running. I mean, it, it, it's right at the top two or three uh, reasons. When I, when I look at legislators who have been sent to Washington to solve the problems that we face on a day-to-day basis collectively as a country. And they do nothing but bicker and argue and try to undo what's already been done and, and you know, spend 21 hours on the House floor uh, oh. reading uh, the cat in the hat and Dr. Seuss and, and things like that. I, I can tell you this. Yeah. Send me to Washington and the next time somebody wants to stand up there for 21 hours talking about why we should close the government down, I'll stand up for 22 and tell you why we should keep it open. Mm. You know, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is difficult to work with other people when you have different ideologies. Mm-hmm. But we have to put America first. We have to put our country first, and we have to put the state of Tennessee first above and beyond the the ridiculous uh, arguments back and forth. I mean, what's best? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we come up with solutions to problems instead of creating more problems? Let me let me tell you this. Um, we had uh, Sarah um, Burton, who is the president of the East Tennessee Kidney Foundation, mm-hmm. and she was talking a couple of months ago about how the dialysis patients um, who either don't have insurance or have very little, or it's a 60-40 type of coverage, um, they have to choose whether or not they take dialysis or whether they go to work and because they need the gas money. 
I mean, nobody should be faced with that decision. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. And so that's a, I mean, I think that Republicans, Democrats, independents, whatever you are, communists may even agree with that. I mean, you, why? that's one common thing. And so the Affordable Care Act, maybe it doesn't solve that specifically, um, but um, expanding Medicare, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to help solve that problem. But those are the type of issues I'm talking about that just can't go on. Nobody should be faced with that. No, and and honestly, the the bill shouldn't have been a thousand pages long. Right. I mean, I think if what you were talking about before, if it, if the special interest hadn't been in the ear of everybody, and everybody had to have their own little pet paragraph or mm-hmm. chapter in the uh, in the bill, then we would have a simple, intelligent bill that would cover everybody, and and cover most people for less than what they were already paying. Yeah. Uh, you know, and. It, if anybody's ever had a prior uh, condi- uh, prior existing condition and they've been turned down for insurance, they know what I'm talking about. Exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying yeah. because you literally, I mean, a lot of people make decisions because they say, well, it, if, if I do this, it's going to cost me this much money. It's going to bankrupt me. I'm going to die mm-hmm. in bankruptcy. Or I can just keep going on to the bitter ends and just live a horrible existence because I can't afford the chemotherapy. I mean, it, yeah, until it, hospice it, gets there. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem like a good solution. I live in America. I know that there needs to be choices and not everybody can afford health care. And it's not a universal coverage. I mean, please, people, stop saying this, because if you go to a country like Great Britain or Canada, it's different. It's not the same. We're still this is still a publicly ran company, companies like, um, you know, Blue Cross Blue Blue, Shield. yeah, Yeah, I mean, they're not government entities. So. Um, I'm a little bit on my band, on my um, soapbox there, but let me also real quick, because I, I want to change gears in the last four minutes that we have. And I want to talk to you just a moment about um, the Fed's policy when it comes to, um, you know, my company, our business that we are in and indirectly yours. Um, because I think one of the mandates for, uh, for the Fed chairman is that they have to keep employment at full strength. So do you think that, that that mandate should rule all the decisions by the Fed, or do you think there should be some other philosophies applied? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, it just seems like the employment thing se- tends to to tint the glasses of the Fed chairman in a way that they they kind of go off one end to monetary easing and may not look at some other strategies that can help. Well, you know, First off, uh, you know, the Fed policy is most of the time reactionary. Mm. I mean, it's dealing with what what's going on in Congress, you know, in the executive branch, uh, you know, what kind of laws we're passing. And then, of course, you know, with the free market economy, I mean, we, because we, we have to already understand that in a free market, we're going to have our ebbs and flows. I mean, that's those things are going to happen. But what the what the Fed should always be focused on is uh, growing the economy at a sustainable rate. It should be focused on uh, on making unemployment as low as it can healthy it can healthily be. Um, but their job in the last you know ten years, honestly, has been made more and more difficult with the ridiculous kind of policies mm. that 
the Congress has been engaged in, particularly since 2009. I mean, the brinksmanship, crisis-driven fiscal policy that the Congress has been engaged in since 2009 has cost us almost a million jobs, mm-hmm. almost a million jobs. It's uh, the shutdown of the government cost uh, at least 0.3% uh, of slowdown of the growth of the recovery. That's that's a lot of money. And yeah, I mean, we're talking we're talking the difference between a uh, an economy that's spinning like a top and we're all doing well and a sluggish economy that's not doing well that the Fed then has to try to figure out how to fix. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's hard and it's really difficult to to second guess a a Fed chairman uh, especially in uh, you know hindsight, when you know we we all look back and go, you know we we all love Greenspan while he was there, and then he left, and we all blamed him for the for the economic meltdown. Right. Um, I think it's difficult Poor to. Guy. Yeah, I think he made plenty of money though. Yeah. Um, but it it's one of those deals where if, if we're not, we have to be focused on the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that if you have your priorities straight, kind of what you're talking about, then the Fed policy is going to fall into place, mm-hmm. but it's not just the Fed. It's, right. it is the Congress. And honestly, you know, it's, it's the will of the people as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want for there to be some change, you can do something about it. You can vote out the people exactly. that have been doing this stuff for, you know, the last 40 years. That's right. Well, Terry, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming in and you make a lot of sense and no doubt about it, you, you, we want to have you back on. I, I, I mean, tackling issues like the monetary policy, I mean, that sounds like you're very passionate about that. And that's a, a topic that we love to talk about. Um, for people that are out there listening, you can you can definitely tune into the Housing Hour um, anytime and be able to go onto our website and listen to this interview. Pass it on to friends and family. Get the word out. We're not telling you you have to vote for Terry Adams or support him, but at least listen to what he has to say, just like you would listen to every aspect of other people's as well. So other people's philosophies. And that's important. That's part of the Democratic, you know, kind of evolution and how we get things done and how we um, vote. You got to get out there and understand what's happening. But thank you guys for coming in today and joining us. And Terry, thank you for coming in with me. Thank you, Kevin. Absolutely. We will see you guys next week right here on The Housing Hour. Take care. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and the why not. You need to know, so come here to find out. This program is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.